LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to Ask Me Anything. I'm here with J.D. Greer. Now, the question I want to ask is, how does that intro music make you feel? Like, what is it you feel like it's setting up? It makes me feel like I need to buy more flannel shirts. It makes me feel like I, I it makes me feel inadequate for not having a pickup truck. Yep. I want to just be loading lumber into a pickup truck while it's happening. So Boom. Check, success, because yes. that's exactly what we were going that's for. That's what we're going for with that. J.D., the question for today is, I think, a, a really helpful one, because I think this is something that a lot of people, especially in ministry, struggle with or think about. But the question is is why do I feel so burnt out in ministry? Or why do people feel so burnt out in ministry? Well, let's start with the obvious answer. You don't have that intro music preceding you whenever you walk into a room. You're that would that burst immediately of would just <laughs> deal with it. No, well, actually, on a very serious note, I mean, this really is a problem for, I mean, really, I think across the board. I think there are degrees of it. Some people, it's going to enter into clinical depression. Others, it's just a, a time where you just feel like you're really tired and can't go on. Um, I saw a study recently um, about, uh, it was 1,500 pastors in the United States leave the ministry every month due to either moral failure, spiritual burnout, or strife in their churches. So I'm not talking about retirement. 80% of pastors' um, wives feel like their spouse is overworked. Hmm. And so, they, I mean, they would know. Um, 80% wish their spouse would choose another profession. I mean, that's pretty, that's yeah. pretty devastating. In fact, maybe the one that was most sobering to me is that the majority of pastors' wives surveyed said that the most destructive event that has occurred in their marriage and their family was the day they entered the ministry. Wow. And some just, it's not me. I know that ministry is difficult. I know it's a sacrifice, but it, it just shows us that there's a lot of pastors out there that, that are not doing well. It's really sobering numbers. They're yeah. Like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? And, 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 and obviously some listening may be a pastor and, and maybe you think about this one way, but maybe you're, maybe you're, you're in a church and you just need to think about how you can pray for your pastor mm-hmm. and support, uh, support him. So, um, what, what causes burnout? I'll speak more for me and, um, maybe this will be, be helpful, but I, for me, the driving factor has always been idolatry. And that is because idolatry always puts something out there that you have to obtain in order to have satisfaction or security. And whatever it is, the idol tells you it's just a little bit more. Hmm. And so there's always somebody, there's some, there's some success I'm trying to get to, some narrative I'm trying to live up to. Uh, the church has got to be this size. I got to be invited to do this. I got to have this many followers. Um, and I just, I, I'm telling you, idolatry, regardless of the idol, is going to lead you to constant burnout because you're you're self-imposing a standard that God never designed you to be able to reach. And I don't know, for me, that's been where it's it started. You know, a big key to not getting to burnout, regardless of the field you're in, is, is learning to, to Sabbath. And the most important part of the Sabbath is not a day of the week that you take off. It's learning to find rest in Christ. I mean, that's kind of the point in Hebrews, right? Yeah. Christ is Sabbath rest. And there's a, a resting that you and I are supposed to do in who we are in Him. I don't have to um, have the biggest church. I don't have to have everyone call me a success in order to find rest. I think Tim Keller says it like this. He says, until you find your identity in Christ, you're going to work even when you're resting. Because while you're resting, your mind's always going to all the things that you should be doing to achieve success. But in Christ, you can rest even while you're working. Because in my work, I know it doesn't depend on me. I'm not trying to prove myself. 
and I can, you know, I can rest in him. And so that's been a big key for me in, in that. I think that's that's interesting. So you say Sabbath, and I think we know we know that. Like Sabbath, we we've heard that in the Bible. We know that's something we're supposed to do, but I feel like most people don't really do it. Why why do you think people don't do it? Yeah, shift a little bit more in the practical because yeah. I mean after you find your identity in Christ, there's you know, the, 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 there's also beyond that just some some practices, ways that God made us. Um, obviously, I'm not an Old Testament law guy. You know, I don't think we're bound to the law, but I do think that there are some principles that God instituted within creation itself. And one of them from the very creation was this principle of Sabbath. You know, I think pastors ought to take Sabbaths. Now, <laughs> the Sabbath that most of our people take is on the day that you and I are doing most of our work. And so it's, it's going to look different. But uh, most pastors don't do it because taking a Sabbath is always inconvenient. Yeah. It, when God first instituted the principle, it was inconvenient. I mean, back in those days, I mean, it was survival. It was hand to mouth. I mean, you're, you're, you're plowing the fields. And all of a sudden for God to say, I want you to cut your productivity by one seventh. I mean, how is a Israelite farmer supposed to do that? But he wasn't having them do it because it was just a rule. He, he was doing that because he wanted to create space for them to be able to trust him so that he could multiply and show that he was the one that would provide for them. We're not supposed to Sabbath because I've got, you know, I can do all my work in six days. I'm supposed to Sabbath because I realize ultimately God is the one who makes ends meet. One of my favorite Psalms that I go back to over and over again, Psalm 127, where unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Um, in vain does the watchman stay up late trying to guard the city. In vain does the farmer get up early to, to, to plow the field. You think, well, I mean, maybe maybe the watchman is watching the city late. Maybe the farmers get up early because they feel like they got to do that to make ends meet. But God is like, well, but that's not really, the Lord is the one who is building the city. The farmer should work in the hours of the day that God has given him to work. And then God will be the one that that multiplies the the provision. He doesn't have to get up, you know, early in a way that damages himself emotionally and physically to to make ends meet because ultimately that that doesn't doesn't rest on him. You know, one of the, the next verse says he gives to his beloved sleep. I can sleep, I can rest because I know that success in ministry and provision it doesn't depend on me. Summit Church does not thank God depend on my efforts. It doesn't depend on the quality of my sermons. Ultimately, the Lord is the one that is building the city. And so I think pastors ought to. I mean, for me, it's always on a Friday is a day that I take and I disconnect. I try to, you know, just to let my mind and body rest. It's not because there are not other things that need to be done at the Summit Church. There's lots. There's lots to worry about. Um, as a dad with four kids, I'm, there's lots to worry about there. But I'm like, the Lord is building the city. And so I can sleep. Metaphorically speaking, I can sleep resting in, in God to take care of these things. So what, what? keep pushing into the practical there because I think that's helpful. What are some of the kind of practical things you're doing, rhythms that you've built in to kind of have that rest and uh, that kind of uh, renewal and Sabbath in your life? Yeah, well, I, I read an article um, by, it was a, a, a medical doctor and I've seen this multiple places, but he was like four kinds of rest that you need every single day. Um, the first one is physical. You just you leave, makes it makes sense, right? <laughs> you get this. I actually jotted a few of these things down because I thought they were helpful. A recent study found that a 30-minute nap three times a week cuts your heart attack risk by 40%. People who nap three times a week are actually more productive. Wow. I know I'm inspiring you right I at this know. moment. You're like, I know I, what I'm doing after this is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, a recent CNN study showed that those who work 11-hour days, get this, are 250% more likely to become depressed than those who limit their work to eight-hour days. Hmm. I actually read a different study by a guy named Archibald Hart who wrote a book on people in ministry. And he said that this is especially true for the pastor because um, whenever you're in front of people doing something public, whether that's acting, singing, or preaching, 
your body in the space of about 30 minutes releases the same amount of toxins, adrenaline, various hormones to deal with the stress of, of, you know, kind of being in front of people that the average person does in eight hours. Wow. So in 30 minutes, you've essentially had the same chemical release that the normal person gets in a, in a full work day. So if you're preaching two and three times on the weekend, it's in some ways you're literally poisoning your body. Hmm. And so there's got to be a time where you disconnect. Otherwise you burn out of your uh, adrenaline glands. Those who, who study these things say that we just in general, not just pastors, but everybody needs to be getting more sleep. They say that only 1% to 3% of the population is sleeping too much. The majority of us are sleeping too little. In fact, I thought this was fascinating. One of them pointed out that um, up until the time of uh, the late 19th century, Americans slept on average like 9, 10, sometimes 11 hours a day. Wow. And, and some, you, you know what happened in, in the late 19th century? The invention of the light bulb. Because it used to be that when it got dark, you just went to bed. What yeah. else did you do? Now you've got the, the light bulb, and so people are staying up. Now that we got phones and TVs, we're getting even less sleep, and that's hmm. overall not good. Your mind, again, we should precede this. I'm not a doctor, but I have run this by <laughs> there you actual go. physical doctors. Your, 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 your mind, the way that it cleans out waste is it actually releases – because your, your your mind doesn't have blood vessels in it, so it doesn't carry away waste the way your the other parts of your body do. It releases a certain um, hormone that carries away the waste that your mind produces, and it only comes out when you're sleeping, hmm. which means that after you've been up for a while and you feel like your mind's all gunked up, that literally is what is there, is that is that your, your body hasn't been able to cleanse your mind. And so physical rest actually makes you way more productive. That's why, you know, for me, at least in the morning, I'm, I'm just way sharper and more creative and I write better when I, when I get a good night's sleep. Yeah. So physical good. rest. Physical that's something rest, you, you got to start there. And then well, well, beyond that, what are some other things that Well, the other, the other four, and I, yeah, I'll, I'll spend less time on these, but mental rest. Mental rest means you got to be able to disengage from what you're typically doing. Uh, my, my favorite example of this is our, uh, one of my, a great book I read a few years ago was um, by Winston Churchill called Painting as, as a Pastime. Hmm. And in the highest, most crucial days of World War II, Churchill would go downstairs in his basement and paint for about two hours a day. Wow. <laughs> like, like while, you know, they're, they're planning the Blitzkrieg, you know, he's, <laughs> Hey man, something's big things are happening. Big things are <laughs> happening. Up, but he knew that in order to be able to renew his mind, he had to, he said, painting is a great way to get your mind active, doing something it doesn't normally do. And that's the best way to get refreshed. Mm-hmm. The best way to get refreshed is not to watch TV. It's to engage your mind in doing something you don't typically do. And now I'm not a painter. I've never painted it, that would not be a, helpful for anybody, but um, but I, I have tried to practice things, whether it's working out, whether it's certain kinds of reading that just you know g- give me a mental rest, social rest. And by the way, TV could certainly fit in that category. I'm just saying yeah. there there are even better things. Social rest. This guy was saying at least one night a week you need to be spend it with people that you really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, your family obviously people you enjoy, but even beyond that, people that are your peers. Social rest. Um, we made a decision um, for that reason, my family, to move into a neighborhood with a two or three other families that we're pretty close to here at the church. And it means that sometimes after the kids go down, sometimes after a hard day at work, we go over to each other's house and we'll watch a, a football game or a basketball game or we'll just sit around and talk. And we've intentionally chosen to, uh, to live that way. That's it's good. been really helpful. Spiritual rest is the, the fourth kind of rest you need every day. Obviously, that's going to be expressed in your quiet time in the morning. Uh, I found it helpful to do not just in the morning, but spend a few minutes at night kind of you know, wrapping up the day and just leaving some burdens at God's feet. I read one guy um, on this who said that he just tried to schedule in before every major appointment of the day. Uh, he, his assistant gives him about a five-minute time to, to pray and to center so that he walks into these these meetings with the burden not on him, but being able to rest on God. So those are the things that I think are 
That's really helpful. So there's those kind of four elements of rest that we want to build into our weekly daily rhythms. Is there anything else you would say? Any last thoughts for people thinking about this? Maybe try not to be, especially the kind of pastor who runs hard for six years and then has to collapse in a, you know, one of these sabbaticals. I I don't have any problem with sabbaticals, but you know, it needs, you need to be where you're, you're sustained weekly and not like binging and crashing. Hmm. So learn to build out your week so that you know, modestly speaking, you feel generally refreshed and you could do it for a long time. Another big one I say is we got to not only be, you know, people who work on the church, we got to be in the church. I heard one very famous pastor say one time, like, now I'm a mega church pastor. I don't work in the church anymore. I work on the church. And, you know, I I wrote it down and thought, man, he's so wise, but I just have since saw that as really foolish. Hmm. I need a small group. I need people praying for me. I need people holding me accountable. I need to be involved in normal evangelism. Those are life-giving things. My wife has this famous statement that I think I've even used on Ask Me Anything. She says, you know, fame is making yourself accessible to a bunch of people you don't really care about at the expense of those that you do. (laughs) And for me, being around people who aren't really impressed with me and, you know, may not even be listening to this podcast, but just know what it's my relationships are like. That's life-giving. And I wouldn't trade that for the biggest stage in all the world. So be a part of the the local church and let it minister to you. That's good. Thanks, JD. And thank you guys for joining us. If you want more resources or show notes or sermons or any other things like that, you can find those at jdgreer.com. And you can also follow JD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we hope you'll join us next time on Ask Me Anything. Mm